Have you ever gone to a wedding or maybe an event that people have to dress up nicely and you see a guy and you're like, that dude looks like he wears sweatpants most of the time. And what he's wearing to that event is maybe the only nice set of clothes that he has. That's what Michael Carlson looks like right now. And maybe I'm just a little bit bitter because he pulls that look off so nicely. This song is about needing a vacation and Michael looks like he's on vacation. So it fits the bill. kind of fun to see you because even though we have seen each other a decent amount at work like not being able to get out and just do kind of whatever you want to do during covid these little sessions are like mini vacations yeah they really are man yeah it's like i kind of want to go for a walk with you after this yeah Dude, yeah, mostly because getting out of the house sounds awesome. Yeah, it's not because I want to spend time with yeah. you. I literally haven't gone for a walk in probably a week. See, I, I go on a walk every day with Becky and I go on a walk every day, take the dog. Yeah. So it's nice to get out. But dude, I would definitely go on a walk. But we, we're, we're about to talk for the next, you know, four hours or so right mm-hmm. now. But I would totally still do that. Yeah, by the time we're done, I'm going to need to leave. <laughs> I need to not. This is how I get all my brain and time in once a week. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's 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 great to see you, and it's since I haven't been going into work either and school. Yeah, so I stopped going into work and school on the same week. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. So I went from at least one car trip a day to zero. So yeah, I've been in sweatpants for a week straight, and so putting on jeans this morning, I felt like proud of myself. Yeah, dude, wearing your, pants. your facial hair looks like you've been wearing sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're way hairier than you were the last time I saw you, that's for sure. <clears throat> anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, have you... <laughs> had had you heard... Have you listened to Winter Sleep much? Dude, I'm sorry. I can't get over the fact that you just said your facial hair looks like you've been wearing sweatpants. I'm going to say that to so many people. Um, well, just think about it when you look in the mirror now. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Um, what was the question? <laughs> so uh, let me let me put it, let me put it in a different way. All right. Uh, Brian Bartz introduced me to Winter Sleep many years ago, mm-hmm. and it was a song that wasn't on this album. It was it was an album actually called Untitled, and to be honest with you, I can't remember. I think it was their first album. It might not have been, but uh, boy, it was two thousand five, two thousand six. So it was quite a while ago. I think I think the Untitled album came out in two thousand five, and I remember him showing me the song because the drummer was just awesome. And that, like, when Brian Bartz shows me songs. There, there's really one or two factors that are probably going to come into play. One is the drums are going to be awesome because he's a drummer or the production quality of the production quality of the song is just like crystal clear. 
really, really good. So there, there, there's really that kind of variety. But with this, uh, with that song, it was like, dude, I, I mean, the drums, drums were, drums were pretty amazing. So that's kind of what started me listening to Winter Sleep. And then when this album came came out, Welcome to the Night Sky, uh, <clears throat> there were there are probably four or five tracks on this album. The the album in its entirety, I think, is great. Uh, there are four or five tracks that are just um, their their best work across all their albums managed to be really compiled into this one. And so my question earlier, when we were talking about how hairy you are, was, uh, uh, how, I guess, how, how often have you listened to Winter Sleep in the past? I only listened to them when Zach March played them at, at work. And it, it was one of those things where, like, there was a few bands he would play that this happened. And then after some time, I think I did listen to him, like, on my own, you know, occasionally. But almost at any time, like, one of their songs came on, I'd be like, oh, man, who, who's this? You know? And, and after, mm-hmm. like, the seventh time, he's like, it's, it's winter sleep. And it's like, get it together. So, um, yeah, so not often. I, I, uh, it's cool you bring that up, too. I was actually, uh, I was talking with... Tyler Tomaszewski, him and I actually had a, uh, like a video, video chat together. It was really, it was really kind of nice. I actually told him on the calls, like, dude, I could do this once a week, man. Cause I hadn't seen him like everybody. I haven't, mm-hmm. just, you know, just haven't seen him in forever. But, uh, um, <clears throat> he showed me the band Red City Radio, uh, years ago. And I remember hearing the song and going, this sounds like a song Tyler Tomaszewski would love. And I really, really liked it too. Um, but I have, I have those thoughts about people. Like if you were to, there's a certain kind of metal that if you send it to me, I'm like, this sounds like a song Michael Carlson would really like. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that, was, that was definitely Red City Radio. But what's funny is years ago when he showed me the song, it, uh, it was just, it was like what you just described. It's like I heard it, I liked it, but for whatever reason, you just don't end up listening to uh, any more tracks by him or listen to the song anymore. And so then we talked about getting together to do one of these, which we'll do in the future. I'm super excited about. And he brought up that song again that he had showed me years and years ago. And now I'm listening to Red City Radio albums mm-hmm. just because like it's such, it was so good. It was, it, it was really good. But uh, so I dude, there are so many bands like that, man, that I wish I, I just would have listened more when I heard them. But, uh, um, and we we should talk about though when you say you listen to them at work, you you guys were in a setting uh, when we worked at the Harley dealership that's kind of unlike most other places of work. And you should describe a little bit of it because when you say you would hear them at work, there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, you know we like it took some time to get to where we ended up. Um, so, as you know, you and I, I got the job there because of you in 2013. And when I first got the job, for those who are listening who don't know, I worked in the e-commerce department at the local Harley-Davidson dealership, which meant we sold stuff online and shipped it out. And where we were stationed at the time was in a back room where there was numerous departments all sharing a space. And not only was it numerous departments, but there was already a, a lady that worked there that kind of had staked her claim on the radio. 
So all that I listened to for the first three to six months of that job, it, it, at least, was um, like uh, soft rock. Like whatever, whatever movies Patrick Swayze was in in the 80s, mm-hmm. whatever those songs were, is what I listened to. Literally only Patrick Swayze <laughs> movies. But um, anyways, a uh, lot of things happened, and eventually... Yeah, it grew. It grew into an animal. The e-commerce thing grew. We you had to move rooms. Actually, moved rooms and then into a whole separate building. Yeah. So by the time, at least by the time we moved and got our own room, we were able to listen to music as loud as as pretty almost as loud as we wanted, and to be able to work in an environment with two other guys that really enjoy the same music and enjoy listening to it loud, like while working, and we were like able to work while doing that. That was the first experience I've ever had with that, like at the workplace, and it was really cool. Dude, there were there were times that <clears throat> I purposefully left my office because I needed a mental break, <laughs> and I would walk back there just to see what you all were listening to. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more metal than your boss needing to take a like a metal break. Yeah, yeah, like Brandon <laughs> would like walk in, and you'd show us music too, real quick. That that and that would be cool. But yeah, it was it was great. It, I like I wish more people had that in their work environment for sure. Well. <clears throat> I do want to talk even a little more about working at that place in a little bit because this song specifically, I, I had a moment. I had a moment coming home from work when we worked there, listening to this song, and uh, I, I think I, I guess let's let's kind of get into it because there there are a couple things with this. The mood is the mood is set right at the beginning with. Uh, um, quite a few delayed things going on within the song. Um, it feels like almost everything has a little bit of delay on it to capture the sound they're looking for. And what's really cool about that, though, is it never really interferes with each other either. They, they create the space that they want to with, with, uh, between the reverb and the delay. They create the space of just, uh, I think as a whole... The, the song is a little bit about um, feeling out of place, needing a vacation. It's, uh, it's maybe something where in the past you kind of had hopes and dreams, and now life is mundane, and you need a vacation from your mundane life. And so the mood that they set um, really, really fits that, uh, that feeling. And uh, uh, what's actually kind of cool about the lyrics in this is that the entire first verse, um, and there are really only a couple of verses on this song, but uh, uh, it doesn't have your normal chorusy refrain either. But uh, uh, the entire first verse is all questions, which is kind of different from others. So um, <clears throat> he starts off with, are you waiting for a miracle? Are you waiting for a lightning bolt? And I think this is cool because as the mood's being set by the music, a lot of, like I said, some delayed elements going on. He, uh, uh, when he says, are you waiting for a miracle or waiting for a lightning bolt? I think, I think it's, it's helping put this like, all right, these decisions you've made in life, specifically to me because of, of the way I interpret this is like with your job, what you're going to do most of your day, which is for most people where you work. And so if that's something that's eating at you 
that's mundane, that you're not enjoying your living life, just kind of going through it, it, those are the right questions. Hey, are you waiting for a miracle or for a lightning bolt to strike, to change this situation? Um, are you waiting like a paranoid little boy? Like there's, there's that kind of, uh, it, it, the, the imagery within those lyrics I, I think is very cool. And so you get in the mood right away uh, with feeling his, um, you, you, you would be able to probably put it in better words, but just feeling that emotional pull of the mundane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, when I was listening to this, the, the first thing I thought of is I'm starting to think that you are more interested in questions than answers <laughs> because this song starts with eight. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still trying to figure out if I'm waiting like a paranoid oh, yeah. little boy and then I get four more questions. But <laughs> no, I think you get five more questions, dude. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah there after five that, more five more after a paranoid little boy. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the questions, just like you said, are intended, the way it's structured is the questions are like swelling. And so it's, it's creating this tension that is then released by the, the awesome jam sequence when there's the um, like distant no ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, and that's another thing, the, really a you know, poetic device that, remains powerful that we've already talked about multiple times is the element of asking questions instead of providing answers because you want the experience you want to bring the the reader and the listener along and allow them to experience the song that you know in ways that you know they they naturally you know inhabit the song with and so when you're telling them like Hey, you're you're waiting for a sign, like to figure it out and move on or whatever. I don't know. There's only so much response you can have. But when you're when you're asking questions like that, it gives you know a wider spectrum of response for the listener. Well, the the engagement, <clears throat> the engagement that happens when you ask a question instead of make a statement, it even happens like I, in my in my careers that I've had, um, I've hired a lot of people. I've trained a lot of people, onboarded them with new hire paperwork and everything. I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And so one of the key things that you do when training somebody is you ask them questions. So like if you were to bring somebody in and sit them at a table and say, okay, this is your job. This is what the person did before you. This is what we need you to do. And give them a job description and just vocalize all of it. Just tell and tell and tell and tell. And then say, okay, now go and do it. The engagement that they have in it is basically just strictly, I need to do what I'm told. And then if you give them some level of training and then you begin to ask questions their engagement just skyrockets now mm-hmm. because now they have to apply the knowledge. They've got to answer some questions, especially if you want some kind of input or feedback or, you know, hey, we're bringing you in because we need to improve this. Here's our situation. How can you help? Mm-hmm. How can we do this better? That engagement. So in, in music, same kind of thing. Uh, I, <laughs> it's funny when you, when you said that about you think I like questions more than answers. I've never thought of that, but uh, that's probably true because of the engagement that surrounds it. Um, uh, and, and uh, <clears throat> it, yeah, that's a, that's a funny, that's a funny statement. You know, I, I like how you say that. Cause there is something almost pandering about telling someone how they feel, especially through the music. 
Mm-hmm. So when when if someone was saying like, you know, you you've allowed you've allowed your life to be you know, you know, dampened by certain things, you know, it's like all right, thanks. But you know, when you're asking them, it's different. But um, well, you you bring a you bring a whole group together, and and you ask the question, what happens after you die, versus you bring a group of people together and say this is what happens after you die, right. and then you tell them. The level of interpretation, the level of, you know, what, what, what could come together even as a community in posing the question and instead of making the statement, you know, there's, there's all, all kinds of... So, yeah, I guess I would prefer a, a question over an answer. I'll, I'll yeah, <laughs> I'll fit this in and, and we'll move on. But when it comes to, like, recovery, one thing that is really effective that my sponsor started doing with me and still does today. Um, cause like as, as an addict, I often like to take the shortcut. Uh, I don't know why my brain is programmed that way, but I often look for the shortcut and sometimes I want people to like, just tell me how to feel or tell me what to do. And I don't even recognize myself doing it. So in early recovery, instead of like learning how to make decisions on my own, I would just present the problem to my sponsor and he would like smile while listening because he knew where I was going and he'd say, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but he would ask me questions to help me figure out, you know, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, what I need to do, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, a financial debt, a workplace situation, what have you. And when you ask people questions, just like you said, it allows them to take a sense of ownership over what's going on. And there's a sense of responsibility in that. But anyways, uh, moving forward, you want to talk about the, some themes going on here in the song? Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I would like to make the statement that if anybody asks you what's your favorite mood or what mood do you want to be in, I would say listen to the song Search Party by Winter Sleep. Yeah. That's the mood I want to be in. This song puts me in the mood that I want music to put me in. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> there, there are other songs, of course. There are many other songs, but this one just kind of defines that uh, that mood for me. And, and <clears throat> do you, okay. One really cool thing that's happening in this song is it's, it's not, this is actually the first song that we brought to the table now that is not a four, four time signature song. And, uh, uh, most songs, standard songs are four, four time signature. Um, but this song is actually in 12, eight. And, uh, you could argue that it's in 12, eight or six, four. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure, maybe this is something that, that you know and it's a little bit mundane to you, but time signatures are super important for songs, and especially when it comes to a, a, uh, a drummer d- uh, defining the kind of time signature, signature you want. It helps to define the feel of the song. And so <clears throat> where the snare's hitting, where the kick's hitting, what kind of offbeats there are, if any, help to determine, well, is this 12-8 or is this 6-4? And so when the song kicks in, there's actually this piano that never changes the chord. It just continuously hits on the quarter notes. And it's helping move the song at a 6-4. And, and the drums, though, the pattern of the drum beat is really kind of a 12-8. But then when it goes into the verse, when the vocals come in and some of the, the musical elements drop out, it's much more of a straight drum beat. That's definitely a 6-4. And so <clears throat> they're the same thing, like fractions. If you said six, six over four, it's the same as 12 over eight. But the feel is what ultimately determines what that is. 
And in in this track, uh, uh, it's it's hard to talk about time signature without making sounds with your mouth about how something should go. But it almost feels like in this song that there's a phrase of four four, your standard, um, you know, doom gap doom gap, and this feels like there's a phrase of four four and then one phrase of two four. So it just has two beats. And <clears throat> if you don't know, here's my here's my nerd talk right now. If if you're hearing me say twelve eight time signature and you're like, I don't even I don't know what that means. I just know it maybe has a feel to it. The top and bottom numbers on those mean something. So why four four is a common time signature is <clears throat> you have four quarter notes. So the bottom number, it the bottom number is basically. Uh, what kind of notes and how many there are within one phrase. So a whole note would encompass all four notes. Then you have a half note that encompasses two notes. And then you've got a quarter note. So in one phrase of four, you have four quarter notes. And then the feel of the song kind of is up at the top. So you've got, for four four, you've got four quarter notes. So um, that would be your standard one, two, three, four. Now, if you have like a, a if you have a three, four song, a very common three, four song would be like a waltz. Doom, get, get, doom, get, get, one, two, three. So there's three quarter notes because the phrase is, it's only three and they're all quarters. So you have three over four. That's what that means. So a 12, eight is you have 12, eight, 12, eight notes or six, four is you have six quarter notes. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what, uh, this this song it it that feel really creates the mood like th this is actually one thing that winter sleep does very very well is they can create moods and the drummer the drummer actually kind of helps drive those moods in this band mm -hmm. super super good stuff yeah um <clears throat> yeah i was going to save this for my favorite musical element but i'll just throw it out there right now the drums are I don't know why, and I could be completely wrong by saying this, but I feel like I can recognize a really good drummer <clears throat> sometimes with just simple beats. And and the best the best uh reference I can use is me without you. Dude, their drummer is so good that no matter what he's playing, like there's times where he's playing relatively like simple beats, but he just plays them like so well. And when I saw them live Dude, he's, just, he's fun to watch. Dude, that's he, part of it. Oh my gosh, he is he is so fun. But like this drummer is, I think that's one of the first things that drew me to this band when Zach would play them was just the drums. I mean, the drums are sensational. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's so many drummers that can play these drum parts like in this song, but I doubt many can play them as well as this drummer, if that makes sense, but it makes sense to me. Well, <clears throat> I think what you're, I think what you're, ultimately saying in that is um, there's a chemistry when a band gets together. There's, there's a certain chemistry with each of the musical elements that they, they, really, they really, really vibe and you get a chance to see it through. And the, the songwriting from Winter Sleep is amazing. Their songwriting as a whole is, is very good. And so the, the connection between the songwriting and the drumming um, it, that's, that's ultimately why, uh, this band kind of elevated in, in my mind. There's no 
super crazy awesome guitar parts or tones you've never heard or anything, but the songwriting and the drumming and their connection is what makes this music so powerful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that when when they have that kind of chemistry in there, uh, it, it, you don't really you don't really notice it, but that's kind of what m- is missing from certain bands that maybe the connection just didn't hit you. It, it could be just the chemistry of like, maybe the songwriting is actually okay, but the elements within it aren't, aren't super, you know, they, they, they just didn't have that same kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And this, this band for sure has that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I'm, there was, a, there was a time at the dealership to go back to it real quick. There's a time near the end, had to close, the owner actually closed both of the locations that he owned. And um, I, I would have to say the environment that we had at that dealership as a team um, was, was unlike many environments that people would get to experience in the workplace. It truly, truly was uh, uh, a great, the, 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 the workers that were there, it, it was like a family. It was a community. Um, and so it was, it was a shame near the end when things were kind of falling apart and we could see the writing was on the wall and I don't need to get into any crazy details or whatever, but <clears throat> that, that job, I had worked as a general manager at a pizza hut prior to working at the Harley dealership. And that was a completely different environment, completely different feel. And I never really felt at the Harley dealership like, man, I just need, I just need to get out. I just need to get away from here for a bit. I never really felt that in the eight years that I had worked there until near the end when it was just the writing was on the wall that it was going to close and it was super stressful. And the, the, you know, the customer interactions were, were bizarre. And, um, I, I, I had heard this album and this song many times, but there was a day that I was just getting in my car after work and this song came on. So like I've mentioned before, I have, you know, I, I have a lot of my music in the car. <clears throat> again, I listen to, I, I mostly listen to albums in their entirety. It's my, it's one of my favorite things is just listening, taking it all the way through, experience it the way the artist wanted to experience. Because most of the bands we listen to are kind of intentional about writing concept albums or this track should be after this track. And I, I like to experience it that way. But when I'm in the car, I, I will often just shuffle the, the songs that, you know, whatever plays, plays. And so <clears throat> this song was, uh, th- whatever song was prior, it, there, was, there was seconds of it left when it just came on. And then this song came on. And... Uh, um, when when gets into this section after the first chorus which again is just it's not like a typical refrain um when it gets into the second verse and he says i used to dream about saving the world now i now i just dream about the holidays um i used to write so many songs for my girl now all i think about is floating away he really i really had this vision in my head of somebody working at a cubicle with a tie on and they're just like, I had these plans of saving the world. And uh, uh, now I'm just, like, I'm just dreaming about getting out of here. And <clears throat> at that point in life, I felt that. I felt that, uh, 
very heavily. And then they go into, I think I need a big vacation. And he sings that, I think I need a big vacation out of this place. And <clears throat> that's my, that's certainly my favorite moment. Three minutes, two seconds when he starts singing, um, I think I need a big vacation because that moment I had was like the, the song, the mood was right. The feeling was right. And uh, it was just ultimately one of those where the artist was able to really connect with the listener in the way that they should between the, the, the lyrics and the, and the music. And uh, there's, a, there's a keyboard line that actually comes in at that point that, <clears throat> that uh, the, the melody that keyboard line is playing is it's just it's just perfect the the mood that they put together the that that keyboard line when it comes in and then they've got some uh, some harmonies some vocal harmonies and um, <clears throat> I don't know having having that moment uh, it it almost I'm getting a little bit into a life application early when I say this here but music being able to create this little mini vacation for you is probably why I'm so obsessed with music is I, I've never personally really um, wh what I do for a paycheck has never been this massive desire that I have to feel like um, my life was a waste if it's not something that isn't exactly what I love to do like <clears throat> Building guitars, writing songs, making music, recording it is certainly those those are things that I'm very, very passionate about. But I don't feel this draw or this need to make it a career. Um, I'm not saying that wouldn't be great or wouldn't be fun, but I don't I don't feel this need to abandon everything that I have to go chase something because I get to do that with the family that I have. I get to do those things on a regular basis. So how I bring income in doesn't necessarily have to parallel that. So I've never really felt like, man, I need to I need to do something bigger. I need to do something better or whatever. And what's maybe helped with that through my entire life to not have that sensation is music provides those mini retreats. And I had a brief conversation with my dad, and I, I will save this because he, he really wants to come on and talk with us, and I'm pretty excited about that. that that'll come out at some point in the near future here. But uh, um, what we ended up talking about a little bit was how music provides these momentary, like, they'll bring up a feeling. It'll bring up this feeling of, I, I, I'm living in mundane and I need a big vacation right now and it will let you have that without having to really actually have that and then once that escape is gone you take a little bit of a deep breath you can go and and like I talked about in in hiring multiple people and training them over the years there's a question I like to ask in the interview process and it's a fairly common one but it it why I like to ask it is you get a decent variety from it. There are some interview questions that you ask and people say a lot of the same stuff. But when you ask somebody, hey, how do you relieve stress? You get pretty varied answers um, based on personalities. And my answer to that would definitely be, like if I really needed to let go of some stress, I would take a moment to just listen to a track. And that would be all that I would need. You live in that moment, it takes you away for a minute, and then you just get back to real life. Yeah. 
<clears throat> well, and I, I think it's no coincidence that there's so many forms of, you know, fictional escape that people experience through music, through reading, through video games, through movies. And it's not always this, um, you know, expression of like emptiness. You know what I mean? This expression of like discontent. Like if you can tap into other worlds, like why wouldn't you? It's exciting. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But sometimes it can be a reprieve. Um, I'm going to rip through a few things that, that I thought about when it comes to the, when it comes to the questions, the narrator is asking, you know, a lot of questions which seem to swell into the important questions at the end of the second verse, I believe when it's, do you really think that anybody will listen? Do you really think that anybody will notice? And then the response is like this, awesome jam session with a bunch of no ways that are like kind of faded <laughs> in the back. Yeah. But this is, this is where <clears throat> some musicians kind of toe the line of being like teenage, like angsty, you know, like unattractively like emo to, um, you know, almost like elegiac, uh, and, and, and somewhat of a, <clears throat> you know, fortified way. And there's like this, surrender this this pleasant like giving up of concern and worry that that is is like a reprieve from the the pressures that the narrator is haunted by you know what i mean so it's not this like forlorn like giving up like oh i've been crushed you know it's 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 like yeah i'm cool like <laughs> if no one hears me if no one's noticing it's not like i'm longing for that it's just I would like to be elsewhere. So that no way, those no ways are great. And um, so, yeah, I think there's this charming uh, conception of um, accepting being insignificant. That's one thing I like about the no ways. Hmm. It's it's not so much this um, regret for being, you know, overrun by your inability to do things. It's almost this this, like, meditation of, you know, hey, if no one's paying attention to me or if no one notices or, or whatever, if this isn't what I want it to be, like, is that okay? And I think part of it is like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But I'd like to get away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would like to, you know, take a break from it. So I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, my, my favorite musical element is the drums. Um, yeah, the snare, uh, snare work is, is great on this. The feel Absolutely. He does, he does a lot with the time signature. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment is the, the jam during the no ways starting at one fifty six. It's just, uh, what, what you just talked about, that is like the retreat of the song. I feel like is, is that, that interim and the, that's, that's a moment when you play a song like that live. Um, <clears throat> that moment in that little jam area would be exactly where, as somebody who wants to be the guitarist, even though in a couple of bands I've been, I've been the front man, I've, I've, you know, been the lead singer. I way more prefer just being the guitarist and Brian Bart's drumming, <laughs> because that's a moment where your back is to the crowd as a guitarist and you're standing right next to the drummer 
and then your eyes are just sometimes they're straight up in the air, maybe eyes closed, or you're just hanging right there, just enjoying the moment musically yeah. that's happening right there. As a musician, that kind of moment I want to be in on stage right next to the drummer. Yeah. That's super awesome. fun moment. Um, <clears throat> I'll keep going. You want to hit some life application? I'll tell you what mine is. Uh, how about, how about, you uh, tell me yours. <laughs> how about, uh, let, let's do, let, let's end on the life application. I want to, I want to do, um, the nerd level detail quick, please. Do you have one on this one? <laughs> mine is so lame. because i can't i don't have a vocabulary for music yeah so i was trying to think of different ways to discuss what the drummer's doing and why i like it oh i'd love to hear it (sighs) (laughs) i'm literally gonna write you write you i'm not even gonna read it I just pretty much said, I think this drummer's great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, okay. that's as sophisticated as I what, get. What so that, why don't you What that means to me is, break is it down. Th- you, you like whatever nuanced stuff is going on with the drums. Yeah, what you is said. Is that kind of what that is? All right. Exactly. Um, there's, <clears throat> there's, a tech, there's, there's something that you can use in music. I actually touched on this uh, a little bit. Brian Bartz actually brought it up a little bit on, on the podcast that he did. But uh, um, there's a technique with automation. So automation in music when you're recording is uh, y- you, can, <clears throat> you can record your track. Let's say it's guitars. In this case, it's vocals on this song. They record the vocals. And then you go back and you you do some EQing, you do you put some reverbs, delays, whatever whatever you're going to put on there. You tune them a little bit, and you start making them sound really great. You start making them fit the mood of the song, and you do that with any instrument that's on there. You listen to it within the mix, and, and you kind of figure it out. Well, because of the delays and reverbs that are setting the mood in this music, if you just have a delay full blast the whole time while you're singing, it will get very murky and muddy. And it will be hard to hear what the singer's saying in the moment because if there's a lot of big delays going on, it will be behind it and just making it a little muddy. So there's this, uh, uh, you use automation in music to pull up different levels or different settings within any of the plugins. So a plugin would be your delay, your reverb, your, you know, whatever that you're using. It's basically a tool to, to, to create these sounds. And so with automation, you are able to, in the verse when he's singing, you're able to have those vocals go. And there's still a little bit of delay on it. You can definitely hear there's still a little bit of delay on the vocal because it fits the mood. But then at the end of his phrase, at the end of what he's singing, they automate the level of that delay up. And it's actually, in this song, it's, it's a little bit uh, like a distorted lo-fi as well. And so it, uh, um, that you can definitely tell if, if, you, if, you wanna, if you wanna hear a song that they use automation and delay in, with that technique very appropriately, this is a good song to listen to because near the end of the phrasing, it really, you want that delay coming out of his voice to keep with the mood of the guitars and what the drums are doing. And uh, that's, that's automation. It's very, very, very clear to hear in this song 
um, so that it's not muddy as he's singing, and then it's really prominent after he's done singing. So I uh, thought that'd be kind of a, a little, little, you know, if you're doing any kind of home recording, play with some automation with big reverbs and delays at the end of your phrases. It, it's, it's kind of fun to do, and it's a super powerful tool. Yeah, that's cool. So, all right, life application. Where, where, where are you at with this song? Um, I would say I need a vacation. <laughs> and we all do during COVID, don't we? Since, <laughs> since you're my boss, oh, is uh, can I have one? <laughs> uh, I'll need it written on the proper document <laughs> and submitted to my office appropriately. I've planted and the then seed. I will, and then I will consider it as I do others' requests first come, first serve. Ask the guy who works 22 and a half hours a week gets every Wednesday off, he's really barely making it through. He's got a tough time. <laughs> oh, man. I need a vacation from people like you, Michael. <laughs> Here I said you were the relief, and it was like a mini vacation, and then you bring this up at work. No, I'm just kidding. Um, What's yours? No, I, I think I, I touched on it a little bit. I, I think... Um, Music being able to provide that little mini vacation. Um, you know, <clears throat> I would say this. In your, there's a little bit of gut and heart when you think about purpose in life. There's, there's, a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of gut and heart when you think about what your purpose is in life. And in your teenage years and in your 20s, it is a... Uh, you're, you deal with demons on what life is about, what you're going to do. Is your life a waste? Um, I, I dealt with those. I dealt with those demons. Um, as you get a little older, and you you settle in, maybe you, you have a family, you have kids, and in my in my experience, intentionally trying to be grateful for what you already have and understanding what other people could go through. Um, also, knowing what makes you tick and having an outlet for that. It's exactly why Brian Bartz and I named the band Outlet, is because that's exactly what music is for us. It's the outlet. So if you know what that is, and you've discovered what that is, your life is not a waste if you don't do that to make money or for a living. However, if, if you want to chase that and you want to go for it, do it. But if you, if you can settle, if, if you can settle in your mind that being grateful for the things that you have and the life that you're able to live, that is very, very powerful mentally. It's very, very powerful to be able to do that. And <clears throat> Just the moments that you have to do the things that you love, you will savor them. And I'm telling you, dude, if I, if I became probably the ultimate thing that I like in music is the, the production part of it, being the producer. And what that is is you've got somebody who's written a song. It's exactly what happened with Brian Bartz and I for the song Heartbroken off of our latest album. Brian came to the, came to the table with the song he wrote the lyrics, he ended up singing the song, but I was able to be the producer in that moment. I was able to help take the song 
hear in my head what it could be, and he allowed me the freedom to be able to kind of take it places. And so he wrote an amazing song, and I was there for the ride to produce it. I want to be in that position when I write. I love that element of it. I love thinking about what are these things that we can add to it to make this the song that should be. It's why I love the bands that I love, because they add those elements, the Hey Rosettas, the Manchester Orchestras. They take those songs from a production standpoint to a level that I want to strive to get to. And so, but if I'm going to be a producer for a living to make money, do you realize how much shitty music I would have to wade through that other people would write? Like it would be, it would, where music would be, where it would become unfulfilling to me is when I don't really like the music. And I'm telling you that would probably have to be most of my career as a producer. It would probably have to be most of it because the songs that I fall in love with, dudes are probably taking home 30K a year, having to work a side hustle, and it might last four or five years. Those are the bands that I love. And I'm going to be a producer for those bands. Like, I need to just do what I'm doing now to provide for my family and do it. That's what I've settled in my mind. Do you, you see the path? Like, as I tried to discover what I wanted to do in life, that what I'm doing now, I'm so grateful for. It's exactly where I want to be. Because when I go down what I'm passionate about, I get to do it because I have, I have a wife and kids and a life that, that allows, I have a space in my basement to do this. I mean, it's like, how much more grateful could I be for the things that have come, this, come my way? It's all been very intentional. I would never get into it. I would never get into producing music because it would, exactly what makes it tick in my mind, I know I would have very, very rare moments of being able to do it. And I would leave work producing crappy music to do my own to get away, just like I do right now. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it would be. And so there's a, there's a, discover, discover that and allow the thing that you love to do. Take that mini vacation, soak it up, eat it up. And, and uh, um, I, I, I guess that's, that's kind of the that's kind of the life application.